this is Richard Lanford. I'm the redheaded preacher of this podcast and the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois, an open and affirming congregation in the UCC, mention of which will be part of the sermon. Uh, This July 18th message is called, He is Our Peace, the New Humanity. And it's based on the scriptures read by Elector Barb Todd of Jeremiah 23, 1 through 6, and Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And it's uh, a sermon that um, I will be excited to preach. And I'm going to ask you to join me in a brief spirit of prayer. Holy One, as we listen, give us ears to hear what you need us to hear. Help us to take from this what you want us to take from it, perhaps to share with others, and certainly to live out. We ask this blessing in the name of Christ. Amen. And here we go with our readings, and he is our peace. The first reading is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. In the lectionary, this is accompanied by the story in 2 Samuel, where the Lord promises David that not David, but one of his descendants will follow him and build a house for God. Now that was Solomon. But the promise that the son of David will still be on the throne remains, and it is pledged anew. God looks forward to a restored Israel and Judah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have tri- driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiple. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This ends the reading from the Old Testament. Our second and final passage is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Paul, writing to Gentile believers, having established earlier, in the letter that they are saved by grace through faith, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now he lifts up how in Christ both Jewish and Gentile followers are one united people. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth 
called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, in his flesh he has made both groups into one, and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us had access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together, spiritually, into a dwelling place. For God. They send the scriptures for today's service, the word of God, for the people of God. Amen. One of my favorite things about God is that God searches for us. God calls us, enters into covenants with us, and even when we break our heart of our covenant vow, God comes looking for us again. For we Christians, the epitome of this is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that at Christmas. In the Son, God came looking for us to bring us good news and bring us back forgiveness for good. After all, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. And Paul wrote in Philippians 2, though he was in the form of God, did not regard, did not regard the quality of God as something to be exploited or grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human form. God comes looking for us. And it's such a profoundly disturbing era that when more and more people declare themselves not even affiliated with any religion, let alone be an active member of a house of faith. Yet you and I understand that in many places and in many ways, the body of Christ has needlessly hurt people. We know about the clergy sex abuse scandal and cover up within the Roman Catholic Church, but that part of the body of Christ does not have a monopoly on sinful ministers nor enablers within a hierarchy. Denominations like the Presbyterian Church split over the Civil War over slavery, and they did not adopt and put into place a 
plan of union when they reunited until the early 1980s. While I was a religious volunteer for County Jail, the chaplain at Division 10 referred to Presbyterians as, quote, when they used to be Christians, meaning the Presbys before they declared they were welcoming gay members and ordaining gay pastors. For him, that meant they were no longer a Christian denomination. Divisions, which hurt. Christians still separate over racial and ethnic lines Sunday mornings. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., you know, said that the hour of worship in our country was not the most segregated hour of the week. Well, I do not know if that is still true. And there are more multiracial, multi-ethnic congregations than ever in the West, meaning the Western hemisphere. But it's still true in a whole lot of places. However, we do see people of faith and no faith coming together, uniting in pursuit of equality and justice and compassion and equity and committing civil disobedience together. That was done, if not before, in the 1960s. And James Reed, the Reverend James Reed, a white clergyman who went to the same seminary I did just a few decades before, was a casualty of the violent hatred for the organizers in Selma, Alabama. He was killed before the march over the Pettus Bridge in Scotland. Divisions, which hurt. I've shared before that one of our dearest friends, a gay man, Randy, was raised Presbyterian and who at one time sought to model his life after Jesus and so was generous with his time and property, but he ended up forsaking the faith. Why? I believe that at least in large part it's because of the rejection and condemnation he heard from the more conservative and loud believers in Jesus including close family members. They told him there was no place for him in church or in heaven. It was turned or burned, and he turned away from them. In the sermon I preached today, we voted on the open and affirming covenant, I shared a letter from a teenage Christian girl, a gay woman, who after the new pastor's first service, she learned all she needed to know and wrote a letter of resignation from that church for her and her family due to his unwelcome to those in the non-hetero communities. I also shared with this congregation in that sermon the statistics at the time on gay youth suicide, implying the traditional church's proclaimed rejection of them may have played a role in those depressing, startling numbers and the people behind them. It's no surprise, then, that many in the LGBTQ plus communities are so done and Christianity. And their friends, who may not be in those communities, but their friends, they end up thinking the same thing. Oh, Christianity. That's all just judgmental, right? They don't they didn't even know anymore. And that was just part of the church. Inside or outside the church, it should be no surprise that African Americans find it hard to trust those of us whose skin is white when we do not know the full history. Yet, Jesus. Jesus comes out for all of us and calls to each of us. 
The division of that I just mentioned, among the many others that are there, are not the love of Bible, but an older translation of Ephesians called the dividing wall of hostility, between the strange and even hostile to each other groups, the searching Jesus came to break down. Instead of justice, excuse me, instead of injustice and mockery, of violence and mistrust, Jesus came to all of us to proclaim shalom, peace. Yes, peace. And war peace, as you and I shall know. In Jeremiah, the Lord said that the old shepherds or rulers treated their citizens badly, or bread woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my path, God said. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you do not attend to them. A bit later, God says, this new shepherd will come, and then, quote, they shall not fear any longer, or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, said the Lord. In the language of that day, God was calling to them, and proclaim, proclaim peace in there, coming together under this shepherd. In Ephesians, Paul recalls the initiative taking Jesus, and after teaching how the Gentile leaders have also been saved by the crucified Christ, he writes of Gentile and Jew, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once followed been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is, he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with his commandments that he might create in himself one new humanity. In place of the two, thus making peace. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Jesus came seeking to find and he came calling to proclaim peace in his name. So there are no more hostile divisions within the United States. There's the come listen, come home, come be at peace. So may we in his name by our words and deeds, proclaim the welcome to the scattered or driven away, the missing and the fearful. May we proclaim to those previously shut out the good news to those for whom the church meant something not good in the past. The good news to those which is forever peace of Christ to the distressed and to the damaged. Peace to be known by the church as a whole in one body, one spiritual time. Now, as I said in Paul's time, and as Mark said, in Paul's time, the animosity and division were between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. The Jewish people, going back to Abraham and Sarah, were the chosen people, upon whom all admits were blessed with the commonwealth of Israel, the covenants of promise, one symbolized, one symbolized by the right of circumcision of the male. And unlike Gentiles who had no hope and were without God in the world. So, the Jews are greatly blessed. They've got all this stuff. 
And earlier in the letter, Paul had written about how far away from God the Gentiles, his readers, had been before Christ. I won't go into the history of their mutual disdain for each other, but it was real. So that when the Gentiles started believing the gospel, Jewish followers of Jesus did not know what to do with them. Them? Believing in the same Jesus Christ we do? We don't know about this. And here Paul says that Jesus came. And Jesus proclaimed peace to the Jewish believers and peace to the Gentile believers. A peace based on the blood of Christ which was shed equally for all. Christ therefore sees them as one new people and no longer separate ones with animosity and fear between them. You might recall another famous passage of Paul that's in Galatians. It's got the same spirit, the same theology. He said there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That one in Christ Jesus, Paul said in our passage, passages, one new humanity places. Jesus calls those near and far away. He's looking for those others who may have cast or been cast out or who grew up near and know the stories and have drifted in for those tangled up in resentment. Sharp ends of history or fear. He proclaims to all of these peace, a wholeness of body and soul. Not just any wholeness, but that which is found in Christ. He is our are you a Jewish or a Gentile person? Jesus came for you, lived, suffered horribly, and died, and rose again for you. Are you an, ethnic, an ethnically or racially striped dynamic with the church, or with those on the other side of that dynamic, who are outside or inside the church? There is peace for you all, because Jesus came for, lived, suffered, died, and rose again also for you. Are you strict? Or in the LGBTQ plus communities hurt by church, or maybe just gone astray. Jesus came for you, lived, suffered, died, and rose again for you. Especially and equally was the Savior's bloodshed. Equally was the Savior's bloodshed. Equally are we called to come back and know the magnificent grace and welcome of God, which we still. Christ who did this for us is peace. There is grace enough for everybody. We do not always have to get along or agree on everything, and there is room for God to change all of us. We enter that sanctification in, in peace and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned before that there are several, I don't know how many, hundreds of multi ethnic, multicultural congregations. And staffs. No small percentage of those, I believe, are within the United States of Christ. It's been a long time, though, since I told the story here of Dal and Yoshi. Dal was from South Korea and Yoshi from Japan. They both came to the seminary I attended at the same time I did for one year. They were, they were a THM student, that's a one year deal. And they lived on my dormitory floor. 
Now, the history between Japan and Korea is not a happy one. And you'd expect then there might be some residual dislike or avoidance between them. No, they were roommates. They were usually seen together and smiling. In Christ, a dividing wall of hostility had been broken down. You did not see two adult males trying to think it till they made it, or go through the motions of civility for our benefit. What we on fourth Alex were privileged to encounter through them was what God wants for us and has given to us the new thing. The new humanity is the peace of Christ at work in us who were made the previously alienated believers. The new humanity is not blind to differences. The new humanity recognizes them, but does not see or recognize a dividing wall. Christ has broken that dividing wall down. So there are no grounds in Christ for being apart, for being isolated, or having no resource to, re to reconciliation, recourse. Instead, the divided have become one in Christ. It's happened. The new humanity that is not like the old humanity, which stays stuck in misunderstandings and an unwillingness to learn, stays stuck in prejudice, or whose love has just grown cold, or who believe that we will know they are Christians by their judgment. A new humanity created by the seeking Christ, made up of persons who are one in Him, who see each other primarily as brothers or sisters in the Lord before they recognize the division which would split the one body and bring it back to the realm of the old man. Allow me to quote once again that part of the scripture as I start to roll towards the end. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one. It has broken down the dividing wall of hostility, that is, the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law of his commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. And might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility of the So he proclaimed, he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us, near or far, had access in one spirit to the Father. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and other, and also members of the household of God. This new humanity that Christ came to create, where divisions that existed may still carry consequences and repentance, is animated by faith in God's equal grace and maintained in the peace who gives Christ. That peace and faith provide unity, comfort, and courage for the struggles for forgiveness and justice in which the church engages. That peace and faith provide unity, comfort, and courage for being the church 
When the world thinks the church is just talking to itself. The new humanity has the resilience of the body of Christ who not, was not only crucified, but raised up in victorious living out of the tomb, out of which we are born. The new humanity is not a utopia that Paul was dreaming of. The new humanity is here. The new humanity was modeled by those two seminary students, Yoshi and Dahl. It's modeled by interracial couples who share the faith, by those who depart from organizations they love, but now find are homophobic, and join a church or an organization which is not. The new humanity is not instant, but is a result of the birth from the Spirit, which brings us to faith. Christ, and therefore one of all those who share that faith. It's a reconciliation, not only between God and us, as Paul wrote about, but also between one another. There's a unity between those who believe and a reconciliation between all of us and God. The new humanity, instead of the two, makes it possible for churches to become truly open and affirming, and for LGBTQ believers to give them a chance. The new humanity makes multi-ethnic, multi-racial congregations and staffs a reality. The new humanity is a reality for us to claim. The new humanity is Christ Jesus, the reconciler extraordinary within us, and working through us, together, reflecting the love and the power of God. And that, my friends, is good news. For a world so divided, angry, and afraid of them. Thank you once again for tuning in and listening to the Redheaded Preacher Podcast. I hope you found something to take with you from this week's edition. And next two weeks, the next two weeks for July 25th and August 1st, I am on vacation. I will not be preaching, and I don't think we're doing the podcast uh, of the guest preacher. Uh, If we do, we would have to get her permission, and that would have to be arranged with someone else recording. Uh, In fact, this recording that you heard of the sermon, of uh, everything but the intro and the outro that I'm sharing with you now and before everything, was recorded straight from the uh, the live streaming that we re- that we live streamed and, and then it's up as a recording, so that was a, a cut from the recording, not using my my phone. So if you thought there was a different sound quality, that explains it. I forgot to turn my phone on to record the sermon. So I hope I won't forget again on August eighth when I return to the pulpit. Uh, the emphasis, I believe, is of the message is going to be on the dimension of healing because we are going to do a service of healing with anointing of oil and the laying on of hands using the United Church of Christ service found in our book of worship. And so it only makes sense to preach on healing, right? So that's all I can tell you for now, except I do wish that God will bless your week. Bye.